And this is Job, Michael's oldest brother. So, this is the magic trick, huh? Illusion, Michael. Mm. Trick is something a whore does for money. You, you have no idea how often people have quoted that line back to me. Like, I don't think it's quite once a day for the last decade, but it's, it's on that level. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Nate Staniforth a little bit later about real magic and uh, magicians and all sorts of fun stuff like that. So, first, as always, um, I can't say nothing. I'm at a loss that you haven't seen Super really? Troopers Dunlop. <laughs> hey, buddy. How's it going? Good. I don't know if we should say, uh, listeners might get the wrong idea with real magic, because it's like not real magic as in occult magic. He's like magician, like David Blaine style magic. Actually, he worked with Blaine for a while. So it's not real magic. It's illusions. Well, it's real magic in and that He admits sense, himself like, that he's not doing magic. Well, that's what they call it though, these guys. It's magic. These guys. Yeah. These magicians. <laughs> yeah. These real illusionists, like you said. Yeah. Illusionists. Yeah. I don't think we mentioned the term illusionist with him though, but it's pretty fascinating chat. He's He's got lots of YouTube videos and he's, he's kind of talking about the sense of Tricks wonder or something that people have, right? do for money. What is that? What? What? What does that have to do with anything? We can't call them tricks. Oh. Actually, he said oh. that was a myth. It's all from Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We talk about that quite a bit. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, it's a great chat with Nate. He's going on tour as well and, and he's been, uh, yeah, talking about his magic on TV and stuff and doing shows all over. I get a kick out of magicians. Yeah. If he came here, I'd go check it out for sure. Yeah, we should do that. Well, let's let's keep our eyes open in the city and go see one. Magicians and stand-up comedians. I don't understand how, he, you know how he gave that example of the coincidence, like how he likes to um, utilize coincidence? Like, how do they really do that? Like, there's some tricks that just are just, I don't know. Makes you wonder. So, hey, before we get too uh, far ahead here, we're going to talk about some listener emails and stuff like that before we get into Nate. But I want to mention we only have a few weeks left. We have this sort of upgrade program going right now. We need to buy a new recording computer. We're raising money. We're almost there. So we're giving away a chance to get, well, not a chance, but to come on the show with with a guest of their choice. We're giving away an iPad and stuff like that. So part of the proceeds goes to, goes to the gift for people, for whoever wins, and then the rest of it goes to this recording computer <coughs> that we need because the one we have is nine years old and it's um, falling apart. Yep. So check out grammarica.ca slash upgrade. There's a bunch of different options, or two different options anyway. And let, me, let us mention before we forget that the show is fully listener supported. There's no ads, no portals, no corporate sponsorship, nothing like that. It's fully run by... Listener donations. I want to thank everybody for helping because we do get, you know, monthly subscribers as well that help out with all our monthly fixed bills. And, and we need to do something like this. People are chipping their money to help us buy a new computer. So thanks. Yeah, we appreciate the help. Uh, there is about 25 tickets left. 
Uh, 25 tickets left. Or the end of May, depending on what comes first. Or the end of May, whichever comes first. So you got to get yours right away. There's only two weeks left. Uh, I would, ideally, it'd be nice to sell them out. Um, So we don't have to go into pocket so much, but... If you can buy one, buy one. They're 20 bucks each or three for 50. And there's some people on there that have bought seven or eight at this point. Yeah. Well, e- people email a lot suggesting the guests that we, that they want us to have on and a lot. So this is an opportunity to like actually come on with a guest that you want us and to pick have the on guest. and pick the guest. Yeah. And you can subject uh, to our approval, of course, but we're pretty cash here. Yeah. And you can do the interview on your new iPad. That's right. Yeah. Full of Gramerica jingles and. We give you access to all our jingles, all the podcasts. Man, there's a lot of podcasts. I don't know if there'll be room for all the podcasts. Yeah, of course there is. Oh, yeah, that's something I want to mention. Go into the back catalog. It's all free. There's how many episodes? uh, 169 episodes. That average 100 megabytes of piece. So that's 16 gigs. You can see them all pretty easy in your podcast player. Most podcast players, I would assume, if you go and check out like our older episodes. On the website, I guess you can get there as well. It might be a little more clunky, hey, Darren? And on YouTube, I don't no, know how you No, if you just go to grammarica.ca slash player. Player? And then you can, you can do that. It does 10 at a time, yeah. and you can go through, or you can go to just, there's a... The problem is with the players, the description's not very good. Like, you, yeah. can't, you can't see the description properly. <laughs> If you're on your iPhone, but if you're on your iPhone, you should be using a fucking podcatcher like a regular person. If you're on a computer, the player actually looks pretty nice. I don't think so. No, I don't know. I think the description. Go there now. I am. How's it look? Uh, and then how would people go back f- find YouTube ones? Like, is there a list? Like, if you. YouTube, YouTube, I guess you would just go to videos and YouTube will sort it out. Like, you can go to our channel. Right, and then and then, and then the from there you can do right? latest or most popular right, right. or however you want them sorted. Every episode's actually, you know what? There are there's probably about fifteen episodes that never made it to YouTube. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, mostly just like passports. So all the interviews are on YouTube. There's a few passports and none. I didn't do any of the paradigm ones. Okay, America's locking up. I got her to my computer. Hmm. America's locking yeah, up? Yeah, I can't get there. The site? Yeah. That's not good. No, that's not good. Something tells me it's your computer, hopefully. People have also helped out the show in those ways. We've had somebody help out with the website, and Justin helps out with the newsletter. People send jingles in all the time. Wayne so. Darnell does the website. Yeah. Darnell Digital Inc. Yeah. A couple guys uh, do the artwork or try to do the artwork for every week. Send in the episode art. So people help out in many ways. We appreciate it. Oh, there I go. I'm on. I'm in now. Up, up many ways. Pod, so click on podcast player. Or just go grammarica.ca slash player. I think grammarica.ca slash listen sends you there as well. Uh, does seem slow. I hope yeah, that's not because of the website. Something's going on. So good timing to talk about it. Yeah. So, anyways. So yeah, maybe it's our internet. So what do you want to do? I got some listener um, emails and synchronicities. You got anything to talk about? Uh, I did want to mention that we used Alter Alter Darun's music. Yeah. Last uh, show. He emailed us in, uh, Mike J. 
Mike J from oh it's it looks like uh they will be coming through Calgary at some time. Oh they, yeah, that one. They're yeah. gonna buy us some rounds. Cool. Uh, and the band is Altered to Ruin or ADR. Uh the website and everything is in the show notes for last episode. So go to grandamerica.ca slash ep one sixty eight. Go down to the bottom. All your links are gonna be there. I guess, do you want to, while we're on this topic of supporting the lot, do you want to talk about the t-shirt thing? So, um, just so people know, we don't, we don't have a store set up or anything like that, but we do have a few <coughs> t-shirts available. So it's not very, you know, professional. It's basically like, if you wanted to get a t-shirt, you could send in a $25 donation and mention, do you, what do you do, Darren? Mention in the notes or something that you want one and then we'll catch it there and you can email Graham as a yeah, follow Yeah. And if you don't and, just keep hounding us. Yeah. I know it's, it's bad to do yeah. that but right now we don't have anything professional set up so we're just sort of winging it and just sending out the odd t-shirt here and there so but i mean really we haven't had a lot of requests since the upgrade program started because most people are just pitching in for that but if people do want t-shirts they can specifically uh send a request for that we still have a few a uh, few we got lots <laughs> of uh sh- smalls sh- take the shot because people don't want to kill sasquatch no it's because we got to take the shots two months later no, I don't think so. People just aren't into it. Bunch People want to save Sasquatch. Do they? Yeah. Good for them. Maybe when they actually run into a Sasquatch, that'll change. No. The they, people that want to kill them, fucking that will change. raped by a couple of fucking adolescent fucking Sasquatch. Okay, take it easy over there. <laughs> wow. You're kind of being uh, racist to the Sasquatches. It's not racist when they're not human. They... It's you can call it discriminatory. Or, you don't know that they're not human. They could have. They could be an ancestor of ours, and that's not human. They could have Rh negative blood. Okay, <laughs> still not human. I'm Unless you to, think they're feral humans, we should get Nick Redford back on the show. I'm listening to one of his books right now. Fuck, it's pretty cool. Nick, we should. He was like our fifth guest. We haven't had him on in almost three years. Bloodline of the gods. Yeah, it's about the the blood, like RH negative blood and all that. There's some fucking crazy stuff going on with that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And Who my has friend, it? And my friend Michael in Vancouver, I was hanging around with, with my sister and, and Donovan there. He's he's done, done, done this research into toxoplasmosis and how it doesn't affect people with RH negative blood the same as other people. And it, there's, there's some... Well, who stuff. has RH negative blood? The royal family? Um, oh, apparently a lot of like the presidents, but also a higher percentage in abductees and a higher percentage in all these other areas. And there's a there's something about the um the blood from a place in Spain, like this town in Spain where they're like forty percent negative. It's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. There's some really weird uh correlations some other. and you know nick he's a great great writer and the book is it's really good so far so we should have him on yeah i got him on fa- i think we're facebook friends i think uh he would yeah i'll I'll shoot him a message i'll put a link to that in the show notes <laughs> just uh just for the heck of it just for the heck of it but it's on audio which was great so i I heard about the book from Mike, and then I checked it out, and it's on audio, so. How do you find time? I barely do, man. Barely? That's, that's why it's on audio. You I actually to listen at work. I read the book from tonight's guest, too, so. Read it? Yeah. 
How long is it? 100 pages. It's like a night. <laughs> so what do you want to get into, man? We got uh, sort of trip trip report type stuff. I think it's been a while since we played this one. <clears throat> I want a good skull for my synchronicity. Graham reads it out, then Daramai give it to me. Hey, don't you please read it low. Yeah, yeah. You do not improve the jingles with your singing. Like that, that jingle gets me pumped. Does it? Yeah, it reminds me of like 1987. I'm waiting for someone to send in a like Dvorak montage of you saying something ridiculous, like turn it into a rap song or something. Okay, so this is from uh, Boo. Boo Radley. Boo Radley? Yeah. But Brad Brad? Yeah. Brad Brad. I don't know. Like do came mean? to the igloo, Brad? I don't know. This is Brad, so I don't know what Brad it is. Oh, not like our buddy Brad? I don't think so. So he says, hey there, boys. So I've been super reluctant to send you this synchro lately because I noticed there for a hot minute you were constantly getting owl synchros after the Mike Clellan episode. This one happened weeks ago. However, I cannot stop thinking about this night and all the symbolism that occurred. You ready, Darren? I'm ready. So I was driving back home from my parents. You'll get a kick out of this one for many reasons, Darren. So I was driving back home <laughs> to my parents' house for the weekend. At the awesome. at the moment, I had currently not. I'll reserve my comments. At the moment, I had currently not been smoking cannabis for about a month. No, for a couple months, he says, as I needed to take a break for personal reasons. You should consider that too. I took uh, <laughs> I took like a year off. <laughs> I took a year when, off. When you were 13? No, like uh, three years ago. Really? No, actually, I guess, no, not three years ago. Probably closer to five, five or six years ago. I took, well, probably wasn't a year. But it was probably, it was a good nine months. Hmm. How'd you feel? Did you dream again? I was doing a lot of other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, but I decided that it would be okay just smoking this one night. Considering there would be right, nobody home. Okay. Considering there would be nobody. How old is he? I don't know. It doesn't say. I'm guessing he's our age. Doesn't it say he was driving home from school? Uh, no. No. But he did say back college home to my parents, so yeah, maybe be. he's a bit younger than us. Or maybe he's a uh, college break. Yeah, maybe. So he says, considering there would be nobody home and I could just relax by myself for once. So I took a couple of big hits and put on a Mysterious Universe episode, which you guys turned me on to. So thank you for that. This particular episode just happened to be about owl synchronicities, although Mike Clellan was not mentioned, which kind of disappointed me. Anyways, just about the moment when they started discussing owls. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I realized that I was way too high to drive on the interstate. And decided to take one of the back roads home through the country so I could drive slower and at my, and at my leisure. It had just started getting dark and I was slightly freaking out a bit about how high I was. <laughs> I guess I thought yeah, I would be there. I guess I thought I would be able to handle just a bit after my break, but this weed was pretty strong. Anyways, I'm driving along wondering if I'm going to see an owl because I just listened to a podcast about owls. And all of a sudden, I came over this hill, and standing in the middle of the road is the biggest fucking owl I've ever seen. 
I would have had to guess it stood about two feet tall and had really fluffy gray feathers, almost like a baby owl would have. Well, I nailed this poor guy right in the face. I didn't even have a chance to swerve. It scared the living shit out of me. He hit a baby owl? No, it's not a baby owl. He says almost like a baby owl would have the fluffiness. It was two feet big. It was a big owl. Just with fluffy gray feathers. So shaken up a bit. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's hard to believe. So that was that had to crack the windshield. No, it's two feet, man. That's like in the bumper. Oh, area. but it was an owl. I said it was an owl. I thought it I, when I picture I picture it as coming into the windshield. Really, man? I hit two coyotes one year. Really, in the same accident? Uh no. One was coming back from Edmonton, and one was coming back from Red Lake. Wow. And the one on the way back from Red Lake, I was borrowing my buddy's little prelude. It was no just a room. tiny little fucking car. This boom, nailed the car. Wow. You know, as feel it hit your feet. Wow. Yeah, well, it probably, you probably did feel it hit your feet <laughs> out of the car. So anyways, shaking up a bit, I continued down the road, and about 10 minutes later, I came up over another hill, and there's a fucking cow standing in my lane staring right at me. I barely had a moment to swerve to the right, almost losing it in the ditch and barely got back on the road. Once again, almost shitting my pants. Now here's where it gets a little more interesting. About three years ago, I started getting into Native American totem animal totems. According to the natives, every animal has qualities that relate to humans. And when we have strange interactions with them, that is supposed to give, no, that is supposed to be the great spirit communicating to us through the animal kingdom. So cows represent health. I won't get into why, but they do. I've had some strange situations with cows, and each situation fit perfectly into my health at the time. One time I saw a bunch of cows all standing in the exact same direction and perfectly spaced apart like a grid pattern. This was when I had just started eating healthier and working out. The current situation fits into the fact that I've been eating like a slob lately and gaining a bunch of weight and being lazy and probably on the verge of killing myself. According to the natives, the owl represents wisdom, which I've been completely neglecting lately. By not reading like I said I would, probably getting caught up in this dumb fucking election and not thinking about my safety and those personal reasons for not smoking. So immediately after I almost destroyed this cow in my future, I began praying to whatever it is I pray to, to please guide me home and make it a safe trip, with which a hawk flew directly in front of my truck and looked at me. (laughs) A hawk represents spiritual vision. I can only take that to mean that my spirit guides heard me and were there to guide me and they were glad that I took notice. Ha ha. Anyway, sorry for the long story. Part of why I was reluctant to tell it. If you need to paraphrase it, I'm okay with that. Again, I love the show, guys. Keep up the good work. Uh, that's a lot of animals. The fact that he just smoked his first joint in a couple of months. And cool. hit an owl? Like, what, what happened to the owl? Like, wouldn't you stop and try and help and the what? owl? Or you what? fucking mouth to mouth? I don't know. Put it out of its misery if it needed to be. What if it was suffering on the side of the road or something? Or what if know, it's what really if it, just... stop? Are you going to stop? <clears throat> what if it's just a screen memory and actually when you get out there, it turns into a gray. And nobody's Because it's been injured. Oh. And then you can give it mouth to mouth. What? Well, I mean, if you can't do it in owl <laughs> shape, maybe odd thing you can... to say. <laughs> um... Yeah, the country roads, you see a lot of animals. Yeah, I can, I can assume he's telling the truth. Yeah, you got to do that for this exercise. 
I'll give him a 7.5. Nice. There you go, Brad. You'll be rad. I think your spirit animal is telling you to smoke more grass and eat less trash. <laughs> That's right. Do you want to uh, do you want to get get into something a little bit more cold and dark, or a little bit more of another lighter synchro? Let's keep it light. Keep it light. Okay, it's a fortune cookie update. Which fortune cookie? This is for our, our friend. Jim <laughs> I forget Nation. about that gag sometimes. <laughs> Darren got me real good on a fortune cookie gag. Actually, you were a bit of an illusionist there. A bit of a was magician. That, yeah, that was a magician. Yeah, had me going totally. Which episode is that? I don't know. It was, I'm, I don't know. It was way back, like around a hundred, I think. Was it that long? No, I don't know. after that. We were in here. Yeah. So I think we got in here around 120, 125. <clears throat> so, so this is from uh, Margaret. She says, hi, you two had to send you some spam due to my recent, recent fortune cookie message. You could almost consider it a synchro as it happened to be. Happened at the perfect time. Anyways, basically for the last few years, I've been trying to inform my friends and family of all the media lies and corruption in the governments and around the world. In my eyes, the new world order, I smell daily. Oh, I like that. The new world odor. <laughs> I, <like it. laughs> I didn't notice that the first time I read it. They hate it. They don't want to hear about it. They want to spend life in a perpetual haze and started to get nasty about it. My mom called me a radical. My dad called me a conspiracy theorist. And my friends can't form a thought for themselves, sadly. So I was basically down and out, starting to feel super self-conscious about myself. Anyway, my best friend and I went for Chinese. She can be especially hard on me about my skepticism of world events. Over our meal, I mentioned a few random things, and she, of course, rolled her eyes at me. When I opened my cookie at the end of the meal, though, it said, Your knowledge of current events will help you. <laughs> she didn't have much to say. Whatever it means, for me, it validated that I'm not wasting my time having a clue. Thank you so much for the show. I enjoy all your guests and whatever the topic, you keep it interesting and worthwhile. I'm very glad you guys are in my hometown, too. Not much worthwhile comes out to Calgary, but you guys do. Oh, she says, lastly, I love your music, all your jingles, but also tracks you play between stuff and your new opener in the theme. Oh, I'm not going to read this part. I remember when Darren brainstormed that. Was that the singer from the Higher Side Chats? I think so. But if you've mentioned it, I missed it. Take care and thank you. What? Uh, oh, she was mentioning the greatest, funniest home videos oh. jingle. She likes it, and I can't stand it. So. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, seriously. Some say they like coast to coast, <laughs> but on demand, raw and uncut interviews. And I'll play it at the end. Pretty long, <laughs> yeah. So, how did these people? She remembers you brainstorming that jingle. I don't know how. Maybe you were tweeting it out or something, or behind my back, or emailing people or something. I don't think so. Because that was another surprise from the magician Darren. Huh. Anyways, hmm. so thanks, Margaret. Hmm. Margaret. Yeah. I don't know anyone named Margaret. No, but you, yeah. Anyways, you were involving people, I'm sure. People knew you were brainstorming it, I'm sure. I don't think so. No? Anyway, I uh, 
I I wonder if that is the same singer. I just it, used I Fiverr. Bet you it is, yeah. I just used I bet, Fiverr. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I bet it is. Yeah. That, that's yeah. What, yeah. Yeah. She's got a keen ear there. So speaking of local-ish type stuff, we have the No Agenda meetup. For those of you that listen to the No Agenda show, it's Not one of this our weekend, favorite no, podcasts. Next weekend, right? And uh, there's like at least seven of us going, I think. That is this weekend, isn't it? No, it's coming up on the May 28th. Oh, the 28th. So it's in Red Deer because it's in, that would be in between, you know, Edmonton and Calgary. And Is it on a Saturday? It's on a Saturday at uh, three o'clock. In, uh, at the 111 Grill. I might just come anyway. Yeah. The, uh, the 111 teen. No, what was that? 11 teen? 11 teen. That would be yeah, 11, 11 teen. teen. Yeah. No. 11 teen would be 21. I'm trying to remember the way Tolkien said it in The Hobbit. 111? Yeah. 111? 111 teen maybe or something? No. Anyways. Oh, shit. Yeah, anyways. So that's that. Let's go for... Darren and Graham going deep. It's a profound UFO oh. quote of a week. I don't get to do my MUFON report? You can do whatever you well, want, but this is a jingle I'm playing. Well, oh, so I can Okay. All right. Your singing doesn't help either, buddy. I think okay. it does. So profound the voice UFO of an angel. Quote of the week. So having spent I've been a, called the songbird of a generation. Right? Mustachio. Having spent a great deal of my life in the air as a pilot, I know that many pilots have seen phenomena that they cannot explain. These men, most of whom have talked to me, have been very reticent about talking about this publicly because of the ridicule that they were afraid would be heaped upon them. However, there is a phenomenon here that isn't explained. That's Congressman Jerry L. Pettis, House Committee on Science and Astronautics hearing on UFOs, 19th Congress, second session, July 29th, 1968. 1968. Yeah. Same year. Uh... My dad was just putting the moves on my mom. Was he? Yeah. Why, when's your birthday? July 11th, 1970. And he's just so he's probably courting her for about a year by then. Was he? I don't know. So you would have been conceived? In, uh... 69? Yeah. September 69, probably. Hmm. Woodstock. Imagine if that... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was in September. Mom, did you go to Woodstock? <laughs> so that's it, buddy. That's it. Yeah, I thought you had something dark. No, no, no that's for next, uh, next one, next time. Okay. What else do we have to get to? Grammarica.ca/support. Sign up for a monthly. Uh, we had a few people actually upgrade their monthlies. From a buck to three bucks, so we appreciate that. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, moving on up. Um, yeah, uh, most people have been doing the upgrade thing lately, but while you're there, head on over to grandmarket.ca slash support and see if you can unsurp, uh, unsurp Aaron as our, uh, I don't know what the word is. Usurp? Usurp, is that it? Yeah. Usurp? Yeah. You son of a bitch.
Anyway. I could get you on a lot of them. Could you? Yeah. But you don't? I'm going to start. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've got emails about it, too. I'm backing it all up. Yeah? Yeah. Nice. People are gagging up on me? A little bit. That's fine. I got big shoulders. Um, yeah. So check that out. Spam Graham. Enjoy the chat with uh, Nate. Is that it? You got anything else? Last chance. See you next week. Uh, That's at the outro again. See, that's what I'm talking about. I thought I hung up on you guys there. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. All right. So tonight we have Nate Staniforth on, on in Grimerica. He's a magician. He's actually a real magician. He's a performer, a writer, a traveler. He's done lots of traveling. He was a former host of Discovery Channel's Breaking Magic. And he's just about to start his Real Magic Tour 2016. But he's... Uh, He's fascinating because he talks about sense of wonder that he's experienced in his, in his, uh, you know, magician's experience. And we're going to talk to him about that among a lot of other stuff. So welcome to the show, Nate. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is great. Yeah. It's great to, great to talk to a a real magician, 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 magician. That's, that's what everybody does. People ask what I do for a living and I tell them I'm a magician. And the the immediate follow-up question is, oh, what instrument do you play? Uh, Because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they just can't believe that, oh, there's actually a magician out there in the world. Yeah. Well, there I doesn't. Know, I know one other magician, T.D. Sparks. He does magician oh. at my daughter's preschool. <laughs> he's, okay. not, he's, he's not, not very a, good. He's great with the kids, though. You sure it's not a clown? No, he's a magician. He's great with the kids. He's got, there was like maybe one little thing he did that wasn't super corny, but. You know, kids are actually a really tough audience for magic because, you know, so much they will call you out instantly. Well, not only that, but there's this sort of set of social cues that adults learn that that are really easy to exploit when it comes to trying to deceive people. But children just haven't learned those yet. And so, yeah, performing for children. If you can do that, more power to you. Didn't, Didn't you start on the playground? Was that your story? I, yeah, I, I hope I TV did. Yeah, I was in the listener. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's great. I mean, some some people can do that really well. Yeah, you know, I started. I don't. You know, I think most people saw the Lord of the Rings movies, but when I was a little kid, I read the books. And and nine is this sort of curious age because you're old enough to slog through thirteen hundred pages of pretty obscure fantasy literature, but at the end, you're still young enough to you know, go to the library and, and still have hope that maybe you'll find a book of actual supernatural spells. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I was looking for. I was looking for a, a book of actual magic that I could cast on the, the playground. I wanted to do that 
that scene where Gandalf has the fireworks that turn into the dragon. Because if you could do that on the playground, you would be untouchable <laughs> for the rest of your <laughs> elementary school career. Uh, turns out that's not how it works. But but I found a book of, of just basic sleight of hand. And, and What was the first trick you learned? So, so it was very simple. It was you put a coin in your hand, you close your hand, and when you open your hand, Hung up on us. I think obsessed was, about uh, weird things. Like I just became obsessed about this, and I I bet I put four hundred hours. It, like before school, I'd wake up early. After school, I came home. Didn't play football. Didn't play soccer. Didn't do any of that. I just worked on this coin trick because I, I was just fascinated this idea that I could do something that other people would think was impossible. And so, you know, for the first few months or whatever, it, it wasn't amazing at all. But I will I will never forget the first time that I did it just practicing in front of the bathroom mirror. And it didn't look like a magic trick. It looked like an actual miracle. And so, you know, I decided that I wanted to see how the kids on the playground would respond to this because I had never done magic for people. I'd never seen a magician. This was my first, you know, experience with magic. And, and the thing that I didn't know that I've learned since is that, you know, when you're watching a magic show, there's this contextual safety you know, you know that you're watching a performance. So you can see the craziest things happen, but you can, you can categorize it in your mind as a magic trick. So, so it's safe. It's okay. These kids had none of that. They just saw something disappear. <laughs> so they didn't... Okay. Jumping up and down and running around. And uh, that was not what I was expecting at all. Huh. So we're losing... Uh, we're just... Uh, we're having weird... It's Skype. internet problems. We're having weird internet problems here. Uh, can you hear us right now, Nate? Yep. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, obviously that triggered, that response triggered uh, a pretty deep interest, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, the, the teacher on the playground came over and, you know, it's one thing having kids to, to sort of scream and run around, but, but this, I want to say she was like 60, very authoritarian, very terrifying presence on the playground. And she demanded to see whatever it is that I showed the kids. And so I, I made the coin disappear for her as well. And I will, I will remember the look of wonder on her face for the rest of my life. You know, it was just this, it was like I had discovered a trap door. Like, like if, if with something as simple as a magic trick, you could make people feel that, why would you possibly do anything else, you know, with your life? So it's like, it's like you can, I learned you can say something with a magic trick that's very hard to say any other way. And I wanted to, to figure out what that was. Wow. So then you went, you went on to doing shows and, and stuff like that. And you've actually got a tour coming up, right? So you have like a, a bunch of these tricks that, uh, that you've mastered over the years. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, like, we all know that I don't have magic powers, you know? Like, it's not about, it's not about deceiving the audience. It's about using magic tricks in the same way that you might use skydiving or bungee jumping or trekking through the rainforest to sort of, I don't know, give, give people an experience that they can't have anywhere else. And so, so yeah, we're, we're doing really small venues, 200, 250 seats, um, so it's a, a very intimate evening. Everyone's really close to it. And uh, yeah, it's, it, we started in March. Um, this spring is just like a warm-up leg for us to, to figure out what we're doing um, logistically. Um, right now, it's just me driving around in my car, and I don't know how sustainable that is. Um, but, <laughs> but the shows have been going really well. Is, it like, uh, is that the proper term to call it a trick? Or is yeah, it like... yeah tricks, tricks are fine. Illusions, 
what, illusions. I, I, I remember, like, some, like Arrested Development. Job was like, "It's an illusion." Oh <laughs> Job has been the bane of my existence for the last decade. Yeah. Is something whores <laughs> do for money. <laughs> you you have no idea how often people have quoted that line back to me. Like, I don't think it's quite once a day for the last decade, but it's it's <laughs> on that level. That's good. Job, like, yeah. Are you an Arrested Development fan? Oh, tremendous! Yeah, oh, I just think that's not too bad. Then it could be worse. No, he they they just got it so right. Like the character of Job from Arrested Development represents so perfectly everything that I'm trying to kill in Magic. <laughs> <laughs> that it was nice of them to compile it all in one place. Yeah, it is weird though because some tricks are so good that you it does make you wonder. Like, does this guy have superpowers? Like supernatural powers? Like even though you know, like okay, he's just a magician. There's something to it, but some of them are so good you wonder. Yeah, it's it's a curious thing, isn't it? You know, I I've I've thought about that performance that I did on the playground as a nine year old a lot um, because it was just it was like I discovered a, a mystery there that I still haven't been able to solve. Because if I had put, you know, take that 400 hours that I put towards the coin trick, if I had put that 400 hours towards anything else, like playing the cello, like I don't know how long or how far you get with 400 hours playing the cello. But if I had dragged my instrument out on the field and played, you know, whatever, it might have been interesting. It might have been beautiful, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't have had that crush of, of fear and joy behind it. And, and that, that is unique to magic. It's, it's sort of ability to take the, uh, the unknown and bring it into the, the day-to-day lives of the spectators. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, we, we love it too. And that's part of the reason why we do the show. Like we were saying just before we started recording, like we, we talk about, we have a lot of personal experiences. Uh, we talk about it on the show a lot. It's like from listeners, from guests, uh, sure. we get into things that might have shifted the career of somebody, like some synchronistic moment or a strange experience that's unexplained. And behind it all is like this sense of wonder, right? The wonder of the unexplained and, and the sense of mystery and not, not so much for needing to find the truth or the answer, but just that sense of, of wonder and mystery, really. So it kind of fits well, in with uh, if what we do here as well. I, you know, I've listened to a few of your episodes, and I, I get that, I get that sense as well. It's like here's the thing: I feel like when you're a kid, it's easy to be amazed because everything's new, and so your brain is just constantly on the hunt for truth. You know, finding out what what is really going on here. And at some point, and this happens at a different point for everyone. But you sort of you sort of decide you know what's going on. You know the temptation, at least for me, I guess I can't speak for anyone else, is towards just sort of assuming that I've got it figured out. And my favorite moments are those that sort of barge in the front door and drag me out on the street and <laughs> and sort of shake me and you know say, "Wake up! There's more to it than that." Yeah. yeah. And uh, and and you know you can find that anywhere. You can find it in movies or music or or poetry or basketball or conversations or the night sky and. You know, everything I've I've been doing is is built on the conviction you can do it with magic tricks too. But but everyone's got their own thing to sort of sort of wake up and and stay awake and and see things the way you saw them before they became ordinary. And and I love that. And what about different cultures? You traveled a lot. What about India? Is it the same type of same type of thing? Yeah. Here's what happened. I you know I don't. I think this is probably true of a number of professions as well. Like I wanted to be a magician 
since I was a little kid and, and I worked really, really hard at that. <coughs> and I discovered that the job wasn't what I thought it was. You know, I, I started touring while I was in college. I, I did five years on the road in America mm-hmm. and I just got really burned out. You know, it's like I, I had forgotten why I loved it in the first place. And so I felt like I was either going to quit or I had to go away and, and dream it all up again. And so I bought a one-way ticket to India <laughs> and set out on this. It was like a, I know it sounds corny, but it was like a quest for wonder. Like I wanted to go away and, and explore a tradition of magic that was completely different from my own. And so I was looking for like street performers or snake charmers or, you know, I didn't know. Like every culture in the world has its own version of the magician, that sort of archetypal figure, you know, shaman, witch doctors, medicine man. And I wanted to see all that. And I wanted to sort of put myself in the audience and, and, you know, I wasn't looking for magic tricks. I was looking for the experience of magic. And so, so yeah, in India, I, I just wandered around for a while and, and met with these people and spoke with them. And, and, you know, the thing that I discovered is that it doesn't matter if you're young or old or rich or poor. You can be a sheep herder in Tibet or a taxi driver in Texas. Everyone everywhere responds to the impossible in the same way. And, and it was this incredible revelation that, that sort of through astonishment, you realize that despite all of the external differences, we're not nearly as, as different as it, you, it might seem. So, so yeah, it was a, it was a real adventure and, uh, I hope to do it again someday. What was the uh, coolest trick you seen over there? What, okay. what did so you I, see over there that made you kind of? Yeah, so I'll tell you because I think about it a lot. So, so I tracked down this tribe of street magicians who who traced their lineage back for three thousand years. And and before I before I tell you that, let me tell you this. So India has this tradition of nomadic street performer tribes who used to circuit the country performing in a different village every day or every evening. And then they'd walk on to the next one. And for thousands of years, they had these roots um, that they would just, you know, they'd, they'd travel and perform and perfect their craft. And, and over that time, they developed some incredible pieces of magic. Now, recently, the Indian government has cracked down on street performing. And so this, this you know, once venerated tribe is now living in a slum uh, outside New Delhi. So, so to make a very long story much shorter, um, I backpacked across India trying to find these people and I found them. And, and you may have seen at a, at a carnival or at a, a circus or a sideshow, this fire breathing stunt where someone breathes in or someone, you know, you know, takes a drink of kerosene and then spits it through a torch and it makes this big burst of fire. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, so here's what happened. And I have this on video, so I know I'm not just remembering it wrong. This is what happened. This old man, I bet he was 82, opened his mouth and showed me that it was completely empty. And then he closed his mouth and started breathing quietly through his nose, sort of snorting. And the first time, nothing happened. And the second time, smoke came out of his nose. And then he started coughing, just sort of coughing out bursts of fire that shot from his mouth like like a dragon, like jets of fire from his mouth, maybe 12 to 18 inches long, just in rapid succession. One, two, three, four. And then that was it. And he opened his mouth and showed that it was empty again. And it was just, it just 
blue. It was like, you know, it was like getting struck by lightning. Like I'd never seen anything like that before. And it just sort of shook me to my core because I, I'm (laughs) supposed to know how that stuff works, you know? And it was just, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. So can you do that now? No, I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea how they did it. I should try that. Do you, do you, do you, do you bother trying, like, do you get stuck trying to figure it out or do you just let it go? You know, it's interesting. I, I feel like one of the, one of you the, guys don't tell each other everything. <laughs> well, I, okay. So a, a couple things on that. I think the perception is that magicians are very secretive about you know their their craft, but the reality is that it's such a small community that that you either know everyone or you're you're maybe one degree of separation away from someone. And and there's this great worry that you know secrets will be lost or that. You know, there's just not enough of us to be really bitterly competitive about it. So there's a there's great culture of helping and sharing and collaborating on ideas and and it's it, it can be very helpful. Um, but you know, one of the cruel I don't know if cruel paradox that might be oversaying it, but but one of the problems with magic is that you get into it because you you love the experience of wonder and astonishment, but the better you get at giving that experience to other people with magic tricks, the harder it gets to feel yourself because, you know, a magic trick is amazing when you know the secret and you get to a point where it feels like you know all the secrets. So it's actually, when you see a magician perform something that you can't explain, it's a really special moment. And I feel like most magicians would tell you that they don't try to pick it apart, that they're just, they're thankful that someone had put in the work to, to <laughs> elevate a piece, you know, to the point where it can fool other magicians because... Cause we love that feeling and it, it gets harder and harder to find when you know all the secrets. That, you know, and you're like, Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah. That brings me to a, another question I have <clears throat> for you is, is because you feel like, you know, all the secrets, does that create a skepticism in magicians? Like it makes me think of, um, who are the two guys in Vegas all the time that are really skeptical? Penn and Teller. Yeah. Penn and Teller. And then, you know, amazing Randy, or these other guys that because I, I almost have a sense that because they, they've tricked people for so long and they've, and not in a negative way, but you know, they've performed sure. for so long and they know all the secrets and that they don't believe that in the supernatural at all, like extended consciousness or telepathy, or, I mean, there's some pretty hardcore skeptics in that community. Is that pervasive yeah. throughout your community? I don't know. I don't think it's pervasive. I think the you know, I think the skeptical community and the magic community certainly have very close ties. Um, but, but I feel like we'll, I feel like there's a larger picture there and, and maybe the, the bridge with the skeptical community is just part of it. I feel like what you do develop is an understanding that the, the human rational process is just extraordinarily frail. And, and you know, the more faith you put in it, the easier it is for you to be fooled. My all-time best performance was at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland for a room full of engineers <laughs> who who started the show with their arms, you know, almost to the person with their arms crossed, sort of, you know, you know, very, very overtly skeptical about a magic show. And and you know, that's just one of those truths that you discover as a magician that that the easiest people people to fool are those who believe that they can't be fooled. The harder someone's... Wa- it, it's strange. It's sort of like what we were talking about with the children uh, at the beginning of this, of this talk. The harder someone's paying attention and the more certain they are that you won't be able to fool them, fool them the easier it is to, to deceive them. And so for, for me, you know, 
the result that that's had is that I am very suspicious of certainty, um, be, ontological certainty anyway. You know, it's 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 very hard for me to put all of my it's very hard for me to really believe that I understand, you know, what's going on because I know how easy it is for me to see what I expect to see um, because that's something that magicians exploit or how easy it is for me to see what I want to see because it's another thing magicians use all the time to, to deceive an audience. Mm. And so I just, I'm, I'm very aware of, of, um, you know, it's, it's easier to deceive yourself than anyone. And, and I think maybe a very popular um, lie that that our culture likes to tell itself is that we've got we've got it pretty much figured out yeah, yeah. Um, how this all works and and I don't I I've just you know you you can only see so many grown sober well educated adults jumping up in a theater and screaming like I had a guy I had a guy in Virginia stand up on the he, he stood up in the theater and then climbed up on his chair. Uh, standing on the like the armrest of the, the chair in the theater, and he just like he silenced the audience in the middle of the show and pointed at me and said, "To hell with you! You're the devil! I'm out of here!" <laughs> and he stormed away. And like, I, I, it, I don't know. It, it's like it, you can only see that so often before you realize that whatever whatever faith that we have when when we, you know, believe with conviction any particular set of, um, you know, any, any worldview, um, backed with unwavering certainty, I feel like is just bound to be proven wrong. At some yeah. Point. Yeah. That fits right in with, with our point of view, I think. So what about your state of being, your state of belief, say as a performer, as a magician, do you have to, does it help you to be in a state of belief or self-confidence that you can do what you do? Like, what if you, you know, is there a big difference between if you're, if you're on or you're off that night, or if you're, if you're in a, you know, a, uh, a self, um, if you're having like, let's say a low self-esteem night or something like that, do you have to do any sort of ritual or anything to bring you up to like this confidence level or like a, a really like with unwavering belief that you can fool these people? Or? Oh yeah, totally. And, and, you know, I, I think some performers really relish the act of getting on stage and performing for people. And like, I'm, I'm a very private person. Like when I, when I'm not working, I don't like to be the center of attention. Um, but, but what I do have is, is absolute faith in the material because I have just, you know, I hit Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours the summer I turned 22, you know, like I, I have been with some of the pieces in my show for a long time and, and it just sort of gives you like when, when you can trust your, your material, mm-hmm. it gives you a confidence that, that maybe you don't feel personally, but, but I know I can go into any room in the world. And if I have these pieces with me, I can, I can make an audience believe in magic. And, and so it's that, that is the source of my confidence. It's not that I think, you know, that I have what it takes to make 800 people go crazy, but I know I've got, I know I've got a good set of material that I, that I've built over the last 20 years. Does it, um, does it get to, does it get to, a, do you get into a, like a flow state, like an athlete would sort of after practicing oh, so yeah. much that the stuff just comes natural and you'll do things, uh, you know, just sort of automatically with that confidence. I, I was talking to my wife about this. I wish she could be married to that guy. Like I wish my family could know the guy that I am on stage because I'm just <laughs> my, I'm actually smarter. Like my, 
my brain works faster on stage and I, I can make these sort of intuitive leaps and stick the landing <laughs> that I can't do in real life. And so, so yeah, so that's, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was talking with a, a boxer about this and, and he called it the white zone hmm. and, and how, when he's in the ring, he just sort of disappears inside himself. And, uh, th- there are moments when he's, he's in the fight, but he's more a, a participant you know, watching from outside than, than the, the person fighting in the ring. And, and I can relate to that very much. Can you do any tricks over the uh, radio? Can you, <laughs> I wish. can you amaze me from afar? <laughs> that would be, that would be, if, if I could do that, I would never have to leave home. I'd just get people to dial in. And call, you could do a podcast, <laughs> just blowing yeah. people's minds. <laughs> I do a one episode podcast where I just record the show once and then that's it. You know, it's it's I, funny that you bring that up. Actually, there before TV, there is this whole genre of magic that was performed on the radio, and and every week these magicians would invite a studio audience in, and and the magician would perform for them, and and the listener at home would just trust that the audience in the studio was keeping the magician honest. And it's fascinating, really. Someone someone should, you know, I'm, I'm telling you this now. Um, and maybe I will pick that up again because it's something that people aren't really working on. Yeah, that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. It is hard to... Give me a few months and I'll come back to you with a radio magic show. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (coughs) Yeah, well, definitely if you come to Calgary, come in studio and and blow our minds. Are you coming to Calgary? You know, I've never done a show in Calgary before. I've never done a a Canadian tour. Um, I, you know, growing up, we'd, we'd go on vacation to Canada every year, but but I've never worked there before. I bet we're more gullible. <laughs> Do you think so? <laughs> I bet. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. We went on my honeymoon in uh, in Canada. Oh, did you? Yeah, I went to, to Nova Scotia, and then oh, uh, wow. you've got some amazing provincial parks, too. So Nova Scotia, that's them. Bay of Fundy? Is that what uh, that yeah, crazy, right up in there. That's crazy tide is? The biggest tide in the world, yep. I think, right? That's right, yeah. I'll be all right. What's, uh, so what, I guess, what, what's in your, in your repertoire? What's a trick to look for? What's your like closer? I know you're not going to give us any secrets, obviously. No, but right. like... yeah, let me say it this way. I'm, I'm very interested in coincidence because, so here's the problem as a magician. Like you, you just sort of have to follow the logic to the end because if you're, if you're going to be honest with the audience about the fact that, that I don't have magic powers, you know, I, and I, I'm, I tell that to them right, right at the beginning. Um, but, but that really limits the, the kind of material I can do because, you know, when, when you make something disappear and say abracadabra, what you're really implying to the audience is that when you say abracadabra, like something magical happens and, and then the elephant disappears. And so I've been trying to figure out what I can do honestly for an audience. And I really love the idea of coincidence because coincidence is this curious sort of place where the worlds of, of faith and the worlds of reason wrestle that wrestle each other to a draw, you know, like you, you can, you could flip a coin 10 times and have it come up head every times and say it was destiny, or you could say it was chance, but, but neither side could really prove their case. Mm -hmm. And so as a magician, that's really fertile ground because for the skeptics, you can, you can engage them in a way that they can, they can resonate with. And for the believers, you can, you can engage with them. And it's, it's a way of talking about the impossible without 
alienating anyone. And uh, so, so anyway, in, in my show, there are a lot of pieces that you could dismiss as coincidence, but as the show progresses, you realize that, you know, clearly that couldn't explain everything. And so, can you, you, know, you, give, think, can you give us an example of, of that? Well, yeah, well, just <clears throat> without, without, sig- uh, without, you know, uh, ruining it for anybody. No, it's, it's, it's fine. Cause the show's, the show's different every night. And so, you know, if you came one night, you might see something different than you saw the next night, but my signature piece is, is, you know, where I, let, so I would give you something to hold, but I wouldn't tell you what it is. And you just have to hold it tightly so no one could see it. And uh, I'll send you the YouTube video so you can see what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So someone's holding something on stage, but no one knows what it is. And then I throw a beach ball around the auditorium and get six people to stand up and call out a two-digit number. So 16, 34, 20, you know, whatever. And, and then when the person on stage opens their hands and shows everyone what I gave them at the beginning, it's a lottery ticket um, with the numbers on the lottery ticket matching the numbers that were just called out in the audience. So, so it creates this moment where like you can think of it as a trick as you want to, but, but clearly there's no way for me to control where the beach ball goes and, and the person's been standing on stage, you know, holding that thing from the beginning. You can think of it as a coincidence, but the odds of that working by chance are in the, you know, literally in the trillions. And so, so I love that nothing overtly magical happens, but, but it's still, you know, undeniably strange. That's what I'm going for in, in the show. I want it to just be the strangest night people have ever had. Um, you know, if they leave asking how I did it, I feel like that I haven't done a very good job because the, the questions should get more interesting than that. Yeah, that's, that's the mind-blowing stuff for me because you're like, how could that ever possibly happen? How can people yell those numbers? And then the thing in there is the exact same. Like, that would blow me away. You yeah, look a little well, amazed over that. I am. Actually. I am. You're a wide I, I <laughs> well, I'm just looking that, at the dates now. Magic, like, you guys. <laughs> I think you, we might be on to something. Are you close there. to the? Are you close to the border at all? Like, is there any shows in Montana? You know, I think we'll play Seattle and Portland. I think that's probably the closest to the border we'll get. Ukraine I've played Haver, Montana, more than maybe anyone else. I think I've, I've played that. There's a college there that I've been to maybe four times, five times. Um, but, but they're not on our schedule for, for the fall, but, but I'd love to get to Canada. You know, we're working on, on bringing the show to the UK and it's just, it's, you know, we started a new production company for this tour and Uh and we're very much figuring it out as we go. (laughs) So as soon as we, as soon as we get the logistics in place, yeah, I want to take it everywhere. So now's the time so to maybe, come to Canada. Cheap expenses. May, yeah, maybe give me a few a uh, few months to figure it out. You'll have to charge more because our dollar ain't worth shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what what was it like um, for the working for the Discovery Channel there on that on that? So here oh, is the oh, idea. Man. the The plan was to do the MythBusters of Magic. Oh. and so we wanted to. The show is called Breaking Magic, and the goal was to use magic to illustrate certain scientific principles. So it was sort of Mythbusters in reverse. So we didn't want to give away any real magic secrets, but we realized that that there are certain, you know, principles in science that that can be dressed up like magic tricks and used to amaze people and that that's an interesting, you know, premise for a show. So so we we filmed 15 episodes. I lived in London for 3 months to to do that and it was just it was the strangest possible way to meet a country because, you know, like every day you'd go to work and, and 
do some bizarre stunt and people would watch and then, you know, and go back and do it again and again and again. So the, the whole time is sort of a blur, but, but uh, it, was a, it was definitely a good time. Good experience. And yeah, the, yeah, very much. And the, and your TED talk that must have been a bit uh, a bit strange too. Were you? How was that for you? The, the TED talk was the fifteen most excruciating moments <laughs> of my entire life. It, you sound you, know, you looked pretty comfortable out there. That's that's very nice of you to say. Um, the problem with magic is that you know most people do tough, frightening, humiliating things in their lives in whatever profession you're in. Magicians just do those things very publicly. And uh, it was just, you know, I, I took a month off to, to put those thoughts together because I really wanted to get it right. And it's just, you know, talking about magic is tough because, you know, again, I was, I was just always aware that when people hear magic, they think Job from Arrested Development. And, uh, <laughs> or, or, or the like, or the Chris Angel type of tight leather pants and, uh, yeah, you know, totally, sort of goth yeah. looking. Right. Yeah. Would, would you say there's, was there, is there a, in your community, is there an increase or a decrease, would you say, or, or has it just stayed the same? Like as far as people doing that, like people sort of being able to carry on this legacy of uh, it's, here's Here's what happened with magic. So, so let me say it this way. The electric guitar was invented in something like 1932, but it took, you know, 15 to 20 years for the, the Fender Telecaster was the first really widely available commercial electric guitar that, that the average you know, teenager could have in their basement, in their garage. And, and that changed music forever. Like, mm. you know, um, Jimi Hendrix had one, Bob Dylan had one, John Lennon had one. It, music just, just splintered in, in a thousand different directions when, when the electric guitar you know, sort of proliferated through, through the cultures of the world. And, and Magic's electric guitar moment was David Blaine's 1997 TV special, Street Magic. And I don't know if you saw it, if you remember it. That's one but, but where it, he levitates? Yeah, it was just him in a deck of cards doing basic magic tricks, just going around on the street, you know, doing street magic for people. And it was the first time that, that you know, us kids who were interested in magic, you know, before that we had any magic on TV had just been, um, you know, million dollar lighting rigs and very expensive props and Las Vegas style production and totally unattainable. And then here was this guy dressed in a sweatshirt doing magic with a, you know, a $2 deck of cards on, on, you know, one of the biggest TV networks in the world. And it just changed everything. Like overnight, people realized that you didn't need props. You didn't need lighting. You didn't need smoke machines. You didn't need special effects. All you needed was very direct, simple magic that could make the audience feel like they'd seen something impossible. And you could do that with a coin. You could do that with a coin trick. You could do it with a cart. You know, it, it suddenly the need for, um, you know, giant budgets disappeared. And, and the result is that that more people are doing more things with magic now than ever before. You know, we've seen probably the Elvis of magic before we've seen the kiss. I'm curious what, what the John Lennon of magic would look like. You know, I'm curious what the Jimi Hendrix of magic will look like. And, and I think we'll see it. You know, I think there are, you know, people are learning on YouTube now. There's so many different ways to learn magic. I think, I, I, I think magic is finally moving past the point of just sort of jumping up and down and saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And, uh, it, you know, people are going to 
people are in a position now to to say some very interesting things using magic as their platform. What uh, what uh, tricks? I can't wait to see it. If I wanted to learn a couple of little tricks to amaze my kids with, what would you suggest? Yeah. Like, what are a couple of tricks for people who like want to do magic, but you know, probably are easily discouraged? <laughs> what, right. uh, like what? Because are, of the level of effort <laughs> required yeah. to what? Uh, yeah. Like, what are some good? Because I mean, I'm one of those people, and there's probably lots of people like me that. Unless I see results, it's hard for me to keep going with something. Like I, I have trouble working out or running, or because it takes so long. But if I can, like, you know, in a couple of days, do something simple that makes me go like, "Ooh, maybe I can figure this out," then I'm more likely to stick with it. Sure. So, so I've got uh, a couple of answers with you or for you. The the first one might be disappointing, and that like it it may be more work than that, um, but <laughs> it's absolutely worth it. Because I feel like everyone should learn one truly great piece of magic. Because you get when when you can do one thing, you don't need all show. Just one thing. When you can do one thing that looks truly impossible, you just get to see a side of humanity that that is usually kept very hidden and private. Because you know, there's that. You know, I feel like most people do this thing, and I definitely do it. Where you wake up in the morning and you you put on the set of clothes that you put on, and you you know carry yourself in a certain way and you choose the certain words that you use to sort of communicate a version of yourself or a vision of yourself out to the world. Like, like we're all sort of performing all the time. Um, there's that, I don't remember if it's T.S. Eliot or John Lennon, but that, that line um, about putting on the face to meet the faces that you meet, you know, every, everyone does this. And the, the amazing thing about magic is it sort of makes people forget to be cool for a second. Like when you see something impossible, suddenly you stop that performance and, and you're no longer trying to project something out to the world. And you're just sort of in this moment of, of unbridled, yeah, awe and wonder. And, and it, it makes all of those masks fall away. And, and seeing that as a magician, that's, that's easily the most beautiful part of the job. You know, it's just this, this really sort of poignant, fundamentally human moment that paradoxically is is created by by a deception. So that's my way of saying that it's worth the time and effort to learn one really great piece of magic. Um, but but just for you know for your listeners, there are a few good places to go. You know the problem is that that you know the ethics of teaching magic is is still being figured out on the internet, and there's a lot of people on YouTube who are just exposing exposing other people's hard work. Um, but there, there are a few people who who really, you know, people who are teaching magic on YouTube who do their homework and get permissions. And so, so if you want to learn a good piece of magic right now, I would say the best source, at least on YouTube, is a, a channel called Scam School. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's not exclusively magic, but but they do teach a few pieces of magic on there that are that are accessible for someone who's willing to give it what, I don't know, at least a few hours work. So, so if you can do a few I hours, do a working, few hours for sure. get there. Yeah. Okay. I put up with grandma on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do cards, Darren or, or cards? Would you like to, I don't know. I'm going to gonna check out, what was it? Scam school. Scam though? school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like I can learn how to do a little grifting while I'm there too. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. You, it might, sounds- you might be able to. Yeah. Do people like are, are do people like trust you less? Do you notice any of that? Like, I wonder. 
Like I, I, I'm I not saying I'm, I don't not trust you, but I don't know. Magicians could be looked upon as like gypsies, or oh, is that racist? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I get that a lot, and I I can't really explain it. But one of the common reactions, and people think they're hilarious when they're saying this, is uh, they find out that I'm a magician, and then they say, "Oop, I'll watch my watch," or "Oop, stay away from my wallet," <laughs> as if like I'm really after the seven dollars they have in their wallet. You know, I. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, that's sort of, that, that's part of it. You know, everyone has this, this image of, of, of magic that I'm trying very hard to destroy, but it is definitely an uphill battle. <coughs> did you do magic in India? Like, if you do magic in India, are you like... Uh, oh, I definitely did. Be- I wonder if you get like the healer, if there's the healer aspect of it. Is he gone? It- the, the response is more interesting. I feel like, so, so two things happen. Because every culture in the world has its own, you know, version of the magician, um, every culture has its own sort of, um, you, you know, there, there's this own, every, every version, every culture has its own set of expectations and sort of associations with that figure. So in America, when you say, think of a magician, you think of, you know, Job from Arrested Development or a rabbit in a top hat. It's different in London. You're different in the UK. It's different in Australia. It's different in China. It's different in India. But so when people see something that they perceive as a magic trick, as a trick, um, you know, their response to that experience depends as much on how their culture feels about magicians as it does, you know, the trick itself. But but whenever a trick is so good that that they don't think it's a trick, that, that they think it's a miracle... Um, they respond in exactly the same way. And hmm. so, so, so I did perform in India. Um, partly is just a way to break the ice and, and, and sort of pierce that veneer um, that so many societies erect to uh, protect themselves from tourists. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to get the tourist version of India. I wanted to sort of dive through that. And I do magic for people and you know, they just have the most amazing responses. One guy invited me to his house for dinner or down the street for tea. You're like, you know, it's like you show magic to one person and they want to show their family what they just saw. So they ask if you want to come to their house. And it, it became this way of, of seeing a side of the country that I don't think I could have seen if I hadn't been able to do magic. So, Did you have to do that in front of the, in, in to a certain extent to the street performers to get into that little circle there? You know, it's funny. They they did want to see, they did want to see me perform something, and and it turns out that one of the pieces I do in my show has its its roots or has its ancestry in an illusion that they developed. And so the version that I do is, um, you you take a, a spool of thread and you break off maybe three feet of thread and swallow it, and then you take a packet of sewing needles and you swallow you know six or seven sewing needles and you show your mouth empty. And then when you pull the thread back out of your mouth, somehow the needles are threaded, you know, on the thread. And so that's a nice little trick. I stole that from Houdini. He got it from someone else. But it turns out that that, that piece can be traced all the way back to India. And so, so yeah, when I was in the, the slum performing it, um, I showed them my version. And then they sort of looked at each other and one of them said, would you like to see how we do that? And... <laughs> And showed me a version that was just far more impossible, and uh, so that was that was humbling but fascinating. And you know, they they saw that that I was serious and that I had you know put in the time and and at least 
thought I knew what I was doing. Did you have to uh, at least enough to show me there? <laughs> you should have made a documentary, man. I would watch that shit on Netflix. Like, no, you know, it's interesting. My I had a friend in the street in the in the Indian street magician tribe, <laughs> wandering around, <laughs> amazing people. <laughs> Maybe someday, yeah. Can you see any of these tribes on YouTube or not tribes? I guess what would. Well, uh, you know, I had a friend um, who was traveling at the time meet up with me um, for a while in India, and he had a he was traveling around the world making documentaries about people because he thought that was interesting. And so, so yeah, he came to the he came into the the slum was called Shadapur Depot, and he came with me that day, and we've got this great video of of everything that happened there. So, so if you'd like, I'll send you the link. And yeah, you can, yeah, yeah, for sure. It could be Nate, Nate in the depot. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nate in the what? Depot. What's the depot? What's well, the last bit of the? What the slum is called, Shattered oh, Depot or whatever. I get it. Nice. <laughs> Look at you go. So, uh, well, thanks, uh, thanks a lot for coming on, Nate. Is there anything else you want to mention before we wrap this oh, up? This is great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to link to all that in the show notes. Um, we have a lot of American listeners, so hopefully, you see some uh, some of our listeners in the in the audience. Yeah, and if any of you come to the show after listening to this, be sure to come up and and say hello afterwards because. Uh, you know, one of the fun things about doing small theaters is that afterwards, no one leaves. Everyone just sort of stands around and, and I end up, you know, it's, it's fun to go out and say hi and, and do magic for them. Stealing wallets and, and stuff Watch your watches. Yeah, stealing wallets and watches. That's right. Yeah. All sorts of you know, petty larceny. Lock up, lock up your daughters. <laughs> oh, right on, Nate. Well, thanks a lot. And, and keep in touch if, uh, if you end up coming into Canada. Yeah, I certainly will. And uh, I, I hope to make that happen. Right on, buddy. Thanks. Great. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, what'd you think? Hey, that was good. Yeah, Nate's a yeah, great, uh, oh, great energetic, energetic speaker. Yeah, he's he's good, man. He does. Uh, you seen some videos already? Yeah, and I saw his TED talk and all that, and, and uh, yeah, he's he's good. Um, are you into? Are you gonna try something out here? Did it inspire you? Maybe. I'll check it out. I'll check out the. I feel what like was it's it scam school? Yeah, no, I don't know. I could probably figure it out. You know, it's really not much on a Saturday night after the kids go to sleep. You know, to spend three or four hours pissing around, yeah, while listening to a podcast or something. Well, no, you can't. You have to fully focus on it. You can't just learn it while you're listening. To Maybe you else. do. Maybe you do. So, uh, we should go to a magic show in Calgary. Do they come around? I'd like to I go would to say, like, you'd the think only thing be I know one every few months or something like that, like a good one. The only magician I've ever seen here is PT Kits, TD Sparks, TD Sparks. Yeah, I might by, hire him for my for Madison's birthday. Sponsored by Toronto Dominion. No, I don't think so. I think he was enough. He should sue him. But I might actually hire him. I'll invite you over. Maybe we can get him on. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> that'll do some tricks yeah. for the radio. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, bring him in the studio. I don't want to get him listening to the show now. Why? Who? Because I said he was a TD bad Sparks? magician. <laughs> what? Did you? He didn't say it. It didn't come across that negative. Okay. We'll yeah. See. So that that was uh, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was a good. One. So uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, Nate. Uh, I'm going to have to check out the YouTube videos now and hopefully come to Calgary. Uh, as usual, guys, check out grimerica.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly. 
uh, all sorts of different options there from a buck a month, which is less than any coffee anywhere in North America, to uh, 30 bucks a month, which is about one of those coffees a day. Plus, the big thing right now, we're fin- trying to finish there's off this upgrade, There's only a month upgrade, left. Right? Yeah, a month, a month left. left, or there's, uh, we should probably talk about it in the intro to this, we, so we won't get into a lot of details, but we're buying a new recording computer before this old one craps out, and we'd like your support. So you can go to grandamerica.ca slash upgrade. Upgrade. And all the links to all this is in the show notes as well. That's right. Click, click, click. You can buy a Send us buy your a cash. Uh, big thanks to all our artists and people who sign up that way. If you don't have cash, you can always send uh, other things. People send art. People send jingles. Spam. Spam's always good. Comes back your way in the form of content. The other thing is uh, I might I might put... Um, all our upcoming shows in the backstage. So if people want to send in questions, they can actually. I thought look. you were doing that. What really? I thought yeah. No, it changes my whole workload. Until Adam Adam te- asked me about it when I was on his show. Oh yeah, you, and I was you like, fucking threw me under the bus. Didn't I was you? like, oh, I was oh like, he's, I thought, he's not doing that anymore. I was anymore? like, we do that. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's supposed to still do it. Thanks. Because he pulled it up while we were talking. I was like, oh, oh Graham does that. And he's like, well, the last thing on here is... <laughs> is it not even emptied out? I don't know. I'll check right now. Keep no, you don't have to check right now. Anyways, I'm going to put... It just changes the workload of now me writing stuff at the beginning instead of at the end in the show notes. So it just it just, just makes more work up front for me. So I just have to be able to shift that around. I need, I need an evening to just get... Uh, a free evening to get it all going. Anyways, yeah. Thanks, uh... Thanks for uh, coming on and thanks for listening. Darren, you want to say anything else? What's that? Uh, no. Check out, tell your friends about the show. Oh, yeah, the last thing on here is the Great America Australian Holiday Fandango. Yeah, that's a good place to leave it off. And a bunch of comments. <laughs> really? Yeah. And pingbacks, mostly <laughs> pingbacks. Yeah, there's not much there. I would like a calendar type format would be better, but doesn't really matter now it's just really who's coming up is the main thing true that actually i don't even need to put a date on that really no just who's coming up i'll just put it in order in order of recording no you gotta have a link so people know what to to ask and who to click they really care they'll already know no that's not true google it no they want to no they want to know right then what's this dude about who's they whoever's whoever's listening jesus Okay. Mr. Fucking pessimistic over there. All right, guys. <laughs> Tell your friends about this show. The spirit of arrested development. And uh, thanks for listening. See you next week.
say they like coast to coast, but on demand, raw and uncut interviews, and all without no ads. Once it's false and once that's true, and the rate you sink grows too. America, America is here for you. Stories from the listeners, they sent to Graham. He'll read the man, be amazed, but Darren may say no. One says red and one says blue, but if it's balls, it just won't do. For America, 